Hi, this is the Home Bodies Yoga Podcast, and I'm Rebecca Hirsch, and this is our 32nd episode. In this podcast, I ask people what they do when they unroll their yoga mat and tell you a little bit about what's going on on mine. If you have a question about your yoga practice or a suggestion for a guest, please email me at rebecca at homebodiesyoga.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at homebodiesyogapodcast. To find out more about each show, please go to our website, homebodiesyoga.com. And please go to our website, my website, because I have a new logo and it is, it's just exactly what I wanted. Like I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted, what I was picturing, but I worked with this amazing artist, Eduardo Sanchez, and he just like made the most perfect design. It's like, I, I can't even get over it. And I know when you see it, you're going to be like, I want this on a sweatshirt. I want this on a t-shirt. I need this on a water bottle. And don't you worry, I'm working on it. We're going to have it on some stuff. I'm going to have some merch. Um, and just in time for the holiday season. <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe a tank top. We'll see. Let's see how things get. I might get crazy. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, that's exciting. And you have to go to our website for it, homebodiesyoga.com, because I don't know how long it's going to take for Apple to change the logo on the home site um, for the podcast, because I don't know, Apple tends to take a really long time to change things. So it'll be on the site. You can go see it there. And eventually... In, with patience, Apple will um, have it on their site. Uh, so please do that. And also rate and review, you know, the usual. Uh, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode, all that. Uh, so we went away this weekend, and it was really fun. Uh, Evan's company had some work in rural Wisconsin on a farm. So we brought Hudson, and it was super fun to, like, be out in nature and it was really beautiful like all the leaves changing colors like just driving around was like really gorgeous uh and then we spent the weekend in minneapolis because we have some friends there so we wanted to see them and minneapolis is like a very cute city i it's like so funny i never imagined i'd go to all these midwestern cities but they all like i don't know they're like artistic and beautiful and like fun i don't know i really recommend anyway on the trip, I completely fell off the meditation wagon, like completely fell off. I mean, just didn't. But as Kamako says, like, at least you still, at least I still knew there was a wagon. <laughs> so when I got home, I got right back on and started meditating again. And I immediately noticed a difference in my just like general demeanor <laughs> uh, and my patience and like definitely a lowering of anxiety and I'm just realizing that for this phase of my life meditation is hugely important um and I, I was just kind of thinking about meditation that reminded me of this BKIS BKS Iyengar um quote from Light on Yoga which great book if you haven't read it the introduction alone is like mind-blowing but this is from page 51 in the intro and it says as water takes the shape of its container the mind, when it contemplates an object, is transformed into the shape of that object. The mind, which thinks of the all-pervading divinity which it worships, is ultimately, through long-continued devotion, transformed into the likeness of that divinity. Uh, and I just feel like when I don't meditate, my mind becomes focused on small, unimportant things, things that cause anxiety or irritation. And what meditation does is give me perspective, which, I mean, as the mother of a small child and also just with so much else going on in my life and in the world at the moment, what I really need, I, I can feel it like deep in my soul, is perspective. Um, so I'm really committed to the yoga practice or to the meditation practice right now, which, of course, is one of the limbs of yoga. And I've just been thinking like, about how all of the limbs have taken me through different phases of my life. Um, like if you think of like going on a really long trip, like sometimes you need a boat, sometimes you need a plane, sometimes you need hiking shoes, sometimes you need a bicycle. But like, you know, each sort of terrain of my life, a different limb has been important. Like definitely asana and, uh, you know, uh, kind of what you think of when you think of yoga, like down dog and, and just moving my body has been important in, in big chunks of my life. And it still is, you know, if I have time, important for me to uh, move my body. And I really try to make time for it. But I think at this part point in my life, like meditation is 
more important, which is like crazy for me to say, because I'm such, I love to move so much. I mean, you know, and a lot of time I have time for both. I'm not meditating a long time. This is like 10 to 20 minutes a day. But it just, not meditating really made me realize like really how much I need it to have just patience and grace in my life right now. Like not that my life is bad, but I don't know, the perspective really, it really helps me to not get frustrated when I, I've got a two-year-old acting like a two-year-old. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, anyway, he's wonderful. I f- isn't it so silly that we always, I, I feel like women always feel like they say anything about their child. They have to also say like, I love them. Like, it's obvious. I love them. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah. And this kind of like knowing what you need in the moment really reminds me of my interview today, which was with Mike Napolitano. Um, I know Mike from uh, Left Coast Power Yoga, where I taught in Oakland, California. Um, He is a very dedicated student of yoga, uh, or he, I mean, I think I know he still is because we talked, but he, he was when I was there too. Um, Like would see him almost daily at the studio And he was just one of those students that was like a anchor in the class. I think yoga teachers listening might understand what I mean, where he, if he was there, it just felt like more comfortable. Like you knew if you like made a mistake or tried something weird, he'd be kind of kind and graceful about it. And and most people in a yoga class are, but I just, I don't know, there's a certain comfort with someone that you know well, who, who you just know is like a kind and gentle person um that makes it feel less kind of scary when you have a really crowded class so there was like a really busy crowded class it would be like such a relief you know or if I felt nervous for one reason or another it would just always be such a relief when Mike was there um and I kind of felt the same in our conversation honestly um he you know as he says in in the interview he's kind of newer to the yoga practice than a lot of people have interviewed and he's a brand new yoga teacher he just finished yoga school but he's one of those people that, whether or not he was doing downward dog, I feel like has always been a yogi. Like he just, I don't know, he's just got great vibes, if I can say that. Uh, just like, uh, you, you know, before class, we would always have these sort of like really interesting conversations that you can tell he was very thoughtful in what he said. And it was the same in this conversation that we had um, for this interview. Um, to the point where during the interview, I am asking him basically parenting advice. And I left it in because I was like, I don't know. I bet there's parents who listen to this. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, I really like the way that he thinks about things, um, especially because I know he cares a lot. Um, and and that seems silly to say, like, I know there are a lot of people who care a lot, but it's very obvious that Mike cares a lot about the environment and the world and the way things are. And it's really nice and refreshing talking to someone who is just honest about how much they care. Um, and, and it's to the point where I, I do want advice from him. <laughs> um, and I feel like he had a lot to say. Uh, he, he's recently um, has announced he's retiring. So we got to talk about sort of that transition in his life. He's worked in the environment, on the environment basically for his entire career. And we'll get into that in the interview. Uh, And I just, I think he has a lot of great advice for really anyone, yoga or not. Um, Yeah, I, (laughs) I was saying to Evan, my husband, I was like, this is the one you should listen to. Like it, we don't talk as much about like side plank or downward dog, but I just, I feel like he has a good, good advice for how to be a yogi in the world. Um, Yeah. So here is Mike. So welcome, Mike. Uh, before I pushed play, as it were, on the on the show, on the recording, uh, you were just talking about how you just decided to retire on Monday. You just let your boss know. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, I mean, I think I feel 10 years older now. No, I'm joking, but um, <laughs> yeah. kind of, kind of not. But um, I think there was a real sense of, of relief, Um I kind of felt like I was going through the motions this last year and a half during the pandemic. And um, I wasn't doing the job the way I wanted to. I mean, I know know a lot of other people feel that way. And I think I'm just lucky that I at a point in my life and um, I can afford to do it. Um, You know, and I still, I, I still really care about um, the work that I had been doing. I I work for um, San Francisco Bay water quality board 
and I've been working on um, creek restoration projects for the last 20 years. I, I love the work, um, but everything that I loved about it was taken away by the pandemic. <clears throat> you know, I, I really enjoyed working with younger staff and mentoring them and getting them into leadership roles. I really enjoyed being involved in the technical review and the, um, the funding, the grant funding to get the restoration projects built on the ground, you know, watching those projects change over time and, and seeing good things happening, you know, working with all kinds of people and getting people behind something. Um, you know, I'm really glad I got to do it, but um, I think, I think the thing that the other thing that probably hit me was just, well, not being able to be with people and not being able to go out and do these things, but um, there's always a lot of ego that was involved in working on these things. And, um, you know, you, I, I just got tired, I think of, um, having to deal with, um, making people feel like they were important. I mean, I, it sounds really bad, but I mean, I, I do care deeply about other people, but, um, I feel like, you know, we should just all come to the work with, um, you know, the goal of, of, you know, protecting or restoring the environment and, um, you know, doing what we can contributing to it. We're all a team, you know, it's not like about, I did this or that kind of thing. And I just don't have time for, I did this anymore, I guess. Yeah. that. So, um, I know this because I looked at your LinkedIn, <laughs> but you are an engineering geologist. Is that right? Um, so, yeah, so it's interesting that in that work, that seems very, in my mind, very technical. I wikipedia what it was, so I think I have an understanding. Um, but it seems like a very technical job. So it's so interesting that politics pay, play such a big part of it. Do you think part of that is because you were working for the city? Not the city of Oakland specifically, but it, politics are involved in a city? Um, well, it's, it's, a, it's a regionally based state agency, but um, mm. and I... And I was involved in, in, in a role of kind of a, a leadership role where I'm interacting with a lot of other agencies and, and the public and, and as well as people in our staff and outside of our staff. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of politics because our agency is an agency that's charged with um, protecting water quality under the Clean Water Act. So mm -hmm. that a lot of that stuff can get really charged quickly. And we have a lot of regulatory authority. So um, most people that I work with just, you know, tell people you have to do this. This is their job is to develop a permit or to enforce a water quality law. Um, my law, my job was more nuanced. Um, a lot of the things I was doing had to do with building partnership and building buy-in and uh, which I really enjoyed. And um, I met some wonderful people. I, I love the people that I met, but I just feel like, um, I don't know. It's, it's, there's just something about when you get um, when you get older, I'm 59 now that um, I just want to just do this stuff. I just want to um, work with other people that, um, you know, want to be part of a team. I don't, I don't want to make someone feel like they're the most important person in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think there was, there was just a lot of that with um, both internally and, um, externally where we were doing really good things. I mean, there's about um, 13 miles of the Napa River. I mean, Napa Valley, world famous wine growing region. Um, you know, the, the, the area should also be really famous for its incredible biological diversity. It has um, probably the richest um, assemblage of native fishes of any stream in California. And it still has a remnant um, small steelhead run, these ocean migrating trout that um, come back and spawn in the river. They get really big in the ocean and come back. So we're working to restore habitat for them. And over, you know, really over the last 17 years, we've been working on restoration projects. And, you know, it's, it's about a 13, 14 mile reach. And a lot of people did a lot of things. And, um, but I think people jousting for credit, mm. you know, and I just, I just feel like, um, I don't know. It feels a little icky. I don't like that. <laughs> it, I mean, I, I think we should just, we should just be able to look at what's there and smile or, um, you know, feel good about the, the connections and, and the, the things we did, you know, that were part of it. I, um, 
I don't know. I don't know how to quite to explain it. No, I, I mean, especially I think the environment is the sort of the top of everyone's mind lately, hopefully. I don't know how it could not be. Um, and it is, there's something really sad about it not being enough that you're doing something to help this huge problem and instead you need credit. Like there is something sort of depressing about that and exhaust. I mean, I imagine exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I just, and um, yeah, I had, I had worked for a couple of people in my office for a long time and unfortunately they retired at, you know, five and about a year before me. And so that the decks kind of got shift, shifted around and um, you know, I, it just, it just seemed like it was a lot easier you know, I knew these other people really well. We knew each other. We knew um, and trusted each other. And no one was trying to 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 kind of figure out who the other people were or trying to prove themselves or any of that. And um, it was just a lot easier. And um, I mean, I just don't want to have another Zoom meeting where, you know, I listen to my boss's boss. Um, you know, we're having a meeting. He's asking me for input on something. And He's talking for 55 minutes and I'm talking for five minutes. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how I can give any input. Yeah. And with a, an issue as big as like, I don't know, like even a river in the Napa Valley that has so much biodiversity. It's like, why are you wasting my time talking about this when, when I, you know, your time could be so much better spent, to, you know, yeah. working on the project rather than listening. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think all, you know, I, I think that was the thing in our agency too, is I was always encouraging people, you know, get out and see things, look at mm -hmm. things, meet people, find out what they think, you know, find out what's important and then start working on it. Find other good people that want to work on it and, you know, get the stuff done that you have to, but um, start to get this other stuff done. And over time, other people will figure out this is important and they'll let you do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to just kind of you have to I, I, when I started working at this agency um there there had been another person that had left that position like a year and a half before and um the person I was working for had just let everything that came in just came into a mailbox and it just sat there oh when I started work he's like just go through the box and see what you think is important <laughs> and then, he, then he was like well you know here's like the five things you need to do and he's like you know he's like if you know if you can get those done you know you can you can talk to me we can do other you know you can do other things and so <clears throat> I figured out how to get these things done that I didn't really know anything about that I wasn't necessarily the most qualified person for but I would talk to other people and I'd work hard and then I was like well maybe I could start doing some of the stuff that I think um, would help that no one else is doing and that I kind of have a background in you know and it's like okay get your other work done and um, pretty soon that became more of my work and eventually that became all of my work so it's like you can do the restoration wow so um, I know, I just know that there are a lot of people, actually my husband included, who are just going into working on environmental projects in different capacities. Uh, what would be your like number one piece of advice, like going in, if someone's starting their career uh, in some kind of environmental field? Um, I would say, I mean, this is a hard one because um, the capitalist system is very cruel, but I think you have to follow your heart. If you have a real passion for some aspect of protecting the environment or, you know, doing restoration or something, I think just finding a way to hang in there and, um, and do some of it, you know, whether you're doing it in your job, whether you're doing it in volunteering, um, keep educating yourself, you know, keep getting chances to learn. And, and if you love it and you want to do it, you'll find a way to get paid for it. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I think a lot of, the um the work for people that were trained like myself a lot of it um it's very good work super super important work but it wasn't what um i connected to which is um you know cleanup of groundwater and soil is a big um it's a huge problem and it, it's a huge environmental justice problem it's it it's really awful and shocking um how you know redlining and um all these other things put um, 
you know, poor black and brown people into places where there was all this industrial contamination. And a lot of that stuff is still there and um, it's taken a long time to fix. So I'm, it's wonderful that people are doing it, but I, I early on, I guess I just, I had a chance when I was in college to work out on a beautiful Creek in the mountains behind Santa Barbara. And I just fell in love with being on the Creek. And I was like, well, maybe I can do this for graduate school. And all my other friends were going into kind of subsurface contamination stuff. I was like, well, if you're a geologist, you either got to, you know, work for an oil company or you have to do this other stuff. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do those things. And um, I was like, maybe I can figure out a way. And so I started studying creeks and um, I was able to get, you know, get my graduate work done. I was able to eventually find a job where I was going out and doing that kind of work. And, you know, I just kind of kept working to educate myself and broaden my skill set. And, um, you know, I, I, I just hung in there. I, I, um, I was just like, I, I'm going to do this, or if I can't do this for the environment, I'll do something else. <laughs> so much faith. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just think it, 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 um, it's super hard. I mean, I know this, I have two, um, adult children, um, one 27, one 24, and it's so expensive in the Bay area to live. And, um, they're both trying to do things that I think they really care about and are meaningful, but it's such a struggle. I mean, one is a school teacher at Oakland school for the arts. She teaches um, like literature and poetry. She's really passionate. And I, um, she's my hero. I, any teacher, I love teachers. <laughs> and um, my son, another hero, he's doing work on affordable housing. He's living in San Francisco, but both of them can barely afford rent. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wonder, yeah, we've got to do something as a society. There's so many things that are really important to make the, you know, the world we live in a good place that don't pay right. And, um, and housing shouldn't be so crazy expensive. Yeah. Right. Like there, or there should be some kind of a balance between what people get paid and what they pay for their homes. (laughs) Like there needs, they need to make more sense together. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, I can't think of, I mean, I guess, I guess maybe the pandemic is an equal problem. I, I don't know. I don't know what the biggest problems are. There's a lot of problems. <laughs> a lot of big problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wonder, I mean, did you guys, did you guys move um, because of, of family or jobs or because of housing costs or? Housing costs. Yeah, it was a big one for us. We, um, you know, if you put in an offer on a house that is small and it's still very expensive and then you get, you know, priced out because somebody put in an offer for that plus, you know, 50%, it's just insane the amount that things are going for, but, and family too, for sure. But yeah. Um, just Bay area is so expensive. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, um, it was a crisis like maybe 10 years ago. I don't know what it is now. I don't know what the word is. I have to find a new word. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And we we were just having also like the, the fires and all the smoke, you know, when I was pregnant really freaked me out, made me very nervous about, cause you know, they don't really even know what that does to you anymore. You know, that people haven't been exposed to that much smoke. And I was just like, Oh, I don't know. I was very, a very worried pregnant lady. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think just the um, multiple layers of uncertainty and angst around you know, pandemic, um, wildfires. There was a day, I guess it was last year around this time where, um, there was so much smoke that, um, it was like, it was really foggy and, um, the lights were on the night lights were on, on the streets and the sky was this weird orange color. It was like an October day last year. And I was just like, Oh my God, this, I'm a really positive person who doesn't get freaked out, but I was like, I don't know, man, this seems really ominous. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully it was just that most of that day. And then it, it went away and, um, 
you know, and, and everything else we've all been through as a country. I mean, I, I mean, it, it just having kind of a crazy person in charge and the impacts of all those things. And um, I just think there's just so much trauma that people are still working through. Um, and um, I mean, I think that's one reason why I, I, I love yoga. And it's one reason why I, I feel um, so lucky. I mean, I'm just starting on my own journey as a teacher. And I feel like privileged to, I just, if I could, even for a few people, if I could just um, give them um, that inner peace and chance to reflect and um, I would feel so lucky. <laughs> yeah. Is that what yoga has given you? Like, I, I know, I mean, I know you from being a very committed yoga student. Um, I'm just getting to know you as a yoga teacher, but like, wh- where did you get that? that discipline to be so committed to your practice? Um, you know, I think, I think um, it became necessary for me just to, um, to feel like I could navigate. I mean, I, um, I just feel like the world got a lot more complicated. Um, initially I came to yoga because I had a bulging disc in my back and um, I had been pretty physically active before that kind of a committed road cyclist. And I was like, I can't ignore my back anymore. I, I can't ignore the rest of my body that doesn't get any thing to strengthen it or stretch it <laughs> from doing cycling. <laughs> I have to do something to get my, my body together again. And I thought it was just going to be, um, you know, becoming, um, you know, maybe a little, little bit more together physically, but, um, I just started laughing. I mean, I think I started yoga and I was like, wow, it's been a long time since I've really spent time to reflect. And, um, this really, this really gets me thinking and experiencing my emotions in a different way than I was. And, um, it makes me feel good. And then all of a sudden I was like, I, I don't think I can live without this. I have to have this. And, um, and I, I guess, I guess it became, um, I don't know, I, it may be a, um, kind of addiction in a positive way. I hope. <laughs> I think we can call that a habit then, right? A if habit. it's a positive addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just helped me to, um, organize my day, you know, whether it was at the beginning or at the end, just a way of, um, of kind of processing things, uh, a way of, of getting into kind of, um, you know, balance emotionally. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, and there are so many um, wonderful people. I mean, I, I came into yoga and well, I still am usually like the biggest person in the room. I'm kind of big and gangly. <laughs> and I, I felt very intimidated to begin with. It was like, it's a very, well, it's mostly a very female space. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm this, this big goofy looking guy who's having trouble stretching and moving around. <laughs> but I was, I was like, okay, I can, I can be here. And um, I just thought as I started to get to know people, it's just really such a wonderful group of people too. And that I think is what really um, drew me in further. It's just, you know, just, just felt good. People who seem to um, uh, be trying to be good people. <laughs> That's all we can do, right? Yeah, it's kind of a balm for like the sort of, you know, if you have a, a day job that's more political and having to deal with a lot of ego, it's sort of a balm to be in a place where, you know, in a yoga room, generally everyone is kind of agreeing that we're trying to be better people. <laughs> so it feels sort of nice to be in that room. Yeah. I, I loved, I loved your classes for many reasons, but um, you would always have like um, a really interesting um, sutra or poem or reading that got us reflecting. And um, it seemed like you put a lot of thought into that because um, um, I think it's easy for somebody to kind of just um, say, okay, I'm going to get people to be more in the present. And I'm just going to come up with this quick little thing here, but it seemed like you really, um, I don't know. It was, it, 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 it felt heartfelt. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I always felt, as a teacher, I feel like 
it's a real honor when somebody takes time, you know, cause time is probably the most important commodity we have. So for a person to come into a yoga classroom and take time with you, like what an honor, you know? So I was always be very, wanted to be mindful that I wasn't using their time up. If that makes sense. That's the way yeah. I always tried to think about it. Yeah. Um, but not that I didn't have a lot of classes that completely bombed and were very, <laughs> uh, but I always tried. Um, yeah. So tell me what it's like being a new teacher. How's that going? Um, well, I, I'm extremely new in that um, I've only really taught two classes so far. And, um, you know, it, 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 it was a, weird combination i mean it um it's been raw it hasn't always gone the way i wanted to sometimes it's felt really good and it's been exciting but it's been this kind of a little bit unpredictable mix um i um i had to kind of break through some personal barriers to even um to do it i um you know i had finished the teacher training a few months before that and i I had convinced myself, even though I knew it wasn't true, that it was like, well, I don't need to teach. I don't really want to teach. But really what it was, was I'm really scared. And I don't, I think I just totally bomb. And, you know, who are you? You can't teach. That was, that voice was really strong inside me. And so it, it just kind of buttoned me up and got me to convince myself that it was like, nah, it's okay. And, um, and then I don't know exactly what happened, but, um, you know, we, we were, there was this community class and Rachel, who's the owner of the studio at left coast was, you know, really encouraging and said, you know, everybody, you've got to sign up for one of these classes. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then, um, it was about a month before I was supposed to teach. And then we were on the East coast for a couple of weeks. And then I was, it was like the week after I was coming back. I was like, I can't do it. I got somebody to sub for me. And then, <laughs> but then when I had to sub, I had to switch with them and their mm. class was, was two weeks later. So it was like, okay, it's real now. I don't have any other excuses. And um, I was, Rachel was mentoring us. We were still having some sessions where we'd come in and she's like, okay, you're going to demo this. Everyone has to do their thing. And it was a couple of days before I was going to teach and um, it was not together. And I was having a hard time finding my words. Like that voice, doubting voice was really strong inside me. But my other fellow teacher trainees over there and Rachel's there, everyone was so encouraging and positive. And all they said, yeah, you know, just keep going. You can do it. And so I went home that night and I was like, damn it. I, I want this, you know, fuck you inner voice. I am going to work as hard as I can between, you know, now and Sunday, and I'm going to give it my all and um, whatever happens, happens. <clears throat> so I worked really hard on, on Friday and Saturday and, and Sunday morning and it went and uh, it, it went really well it went much better than i thought um and i felt good about it i mean i actually genuinely felt good about it and uh, and rachel happened to be there and she really liked the class and like a couple of days later she said you know you should teach a class i want you to teach a class and i was like oh my god and i was just like on cloud nine i was like doing cartwheels inside i was like i can't believe this is really happening <laughs> so i am um, taught another community class and now today is the first time that I'm teaching like a paid professional class. <laughs> and um, today, how yeah. you feeling? Um I feel as good as I can. I mean I um I know that when I go through it one more time later today I'll you know before I start I probably will start to feel a little bit of anxiety but um I think I just have to slow down. I think that's what I'm learning is just, you know, and, and simplify. So I'm, I'm going to try to remind myself of those two things. And if I do that, you know, fingers crossed, I think it, I can, I can do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I was um, talking to a teacher friend of mine named Robin and she was saying how, like when she does her sequence at home, 
that she teaches is always so much shorter because you don't realize how much time it takes to say the pose and then for the people in the class to do it. Like it's actually, there's like, you know, a lag there. Um, So it ends up being a lot shorter. If like, if you, if I do a sequence I've taught before at home, it's so much shorter because it's, there's no lag. It's all, you know, my brain. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really good thing to say. I mean, that, that, that I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of just hit and miss trying to learn a lot of these things. And um, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I've, I've been, you know, I go to other people's classes now and I, you know, you look at them a very different way. Cause I'm trying to really learn. I'm trying to think what, it, what are they doing that, um, that I think is really cool. And is it something that would be authentic if I was doing it in my own way? And um, you know, I went to a couple classes this week and, this one class, which um, it wasn't anything complicated that we were asked to do. And it it wasn't hard to um, explain to people what they needed to do, but it was such a satisfying class because the person was just so welcoming and positive. And um, it just felt like she just brought us into this really beautiful calm. And um, I was like, that's how I'd love to teach. <laughs> it won't happen right now, but eventually just letting people know, just letting them, you know, just being, you know, so positive and supportive and, um, and calm and um, that, that, and then whatever else you do is extra, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, the classes I remember of the best yoga classes I've taken, it's not, I don't even remember what poses we did, right? It's definitely <laughs> like the feeling of the teacher. And and you have something going for you where you genuinely love yoga, which is very authentic. And I think people sort of can sense that. And I don't know, I think you're going to be great. I'm not worried. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel like, and I, I feel like I'm trying to stay present right now. And then I'm like, okay, I'm starting this. And um you know, it's a day at, at the time and just hopefully I can be present enough to enjoy actually teaching today. That's, that's my goal. Uh, yes. I actually am. I want to tell you, sir, the first class I ever taught uh, <laughs> and my, one of my mentors came, Jeremy, who's a great yoga teacher. And I didn't even realize this because I was so nervous, but I only taught the right side the entire class. That's it. Never taught the left side of any post, just right. So after the class, Jeremy looked at me and he was like, my right side feels very good. And I was like, what do you mean? And I, that's when I realized. <laughs> yeah, I um, definitely, definitely, um, definitely the, the, um, the sequence that I had planned was not the sequence that I taught. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm sure that'll happen. I, one thing that helped me both times is that I, um, I have a playlist that I can keep track of, you know, where I am in terms of time and, um, can make adjustments. I think if I'm, if I'm not as far along, um, but that, that's the other thing that I'm looking forward to is I really love music and, um, being able to bring the music I love into the yoga space and combine the two is, um, is one thing I'm trying to do. Yeah, it's so fun. Making music. Although I will say now that I'm not teaching, it's nice to just like a song without thinking like, oh, would this be a good, you know, whatever. I could just be like, no, I'll just listen to this just for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, am. Yeah, I probably get a little bit too obsessed with um, wanting the sequence to just, you know, work and um, have it be, um, you know, all these um, voices or sounds that just make me feel really good. You know, I'm hoping other people will feel good. Um, you know, but I'm a little worried. I think a lot of the songs have a lot of words in them. So I'm going to be challenged by that. I'm probably not going to be able to have it up very loud. Um, but, um, I don't know. I don't want to just play. Um, I don't know. I, I think this will sound the wrong way, but just play yoga music. I, um, you know, sometimes there's stuff that's, um, more traditional kind of spiritual yoga type feeling stuff, which I think is fine. It's just, I, I love, um, I love other kinds of music and I'd like people to have that. Yeah. And playing what's authentic to you will be 
I feel like, I don't know, sometimes my playlists, when I'd be nervous teaching, my playlists help calm me down, right? Because yeah. there are also songs that I like that, and I remember making the playlist. So it, it, there's a sense of like, calm. like I had a playlist, like, you know, for some reason, sometimes certain classes make me very, would make me just really nervous, like unexpectedly, like all of a sudden I'd be like, oh no, I'm nervous. So I would always play this one playlist because I was like, I know this one. This one really calms me down. Like not even for the students, it was for me. <laughs> like everyone always liked it, but also it kept me calm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, 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 I'm definitely looking at it that way. So. Yeah, so, okay. I want to go back I, be, just because I'm very, I find transitions in life interesting. Like just, in, I think everyone does. It's nothing smart or anything, but <laughs> I... Like, what is the moment you're on this hiking trip, you're backpack, uh, you're biking and camping yeah. in Big Sur, and this moment is like, I'm just going to retire. Like, what was that moment like? Like, were you in meditation? Were you walking? Were you hiking? Like, what were you doing? That was interesting because I was with, um, you know, four other really close friends, and um, we had done this really intense bike ride where we had like climbed like three thousand feet, and it was like a forty mile ride, and there was one part of it that's like a wall and I was just like, man, this is hard. And we finished and we had a nice long lunch together. And then we rode our bikes back to the campground. And, uh, you know, one of my friends really wanted to go to the beach and we were like all totally grungy and smelly. And I was like, you know, I'm I'm tired. I'm going to hang out here. So they all went to the beach. I, I, you know, I took a shower, I cleaned up, I just hung out and um, I was just sitting there and I was just, you know, just looking out at the space. We're in San Simeon State Park and it's just really beautiful. And I was like, God, I, I, um, I, you know, do I still need to work? You know, it's like, no, I was just, I don't know. It just came up. I was like, I was like, I'm, I want to do more things like this. You know, I've, I've worked hard. I can, I, you know, I have a chance to do this. I, I like being with people that I care about and um, that I'm connected to. And, um, you know, it's just such a gift to be able to, to have, you know, the chance now. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I, I get a little bit weird about mortality too. I think, um, this didn't really come, maybe it was subconscious, but, um, my mom died when she was 60 mm-hmm. and, um, and I, I just feel like I, and I think the pandemic and everything went on, I just don't, I've had some friends who've died early or have had bad health problems. And I'm just like, you can't put off really doing the things that you want to do. I mean, if you can, if you have any say in it, if you have <laughs> flexibility, you know, why would you not? And so it's like, there's no reason I'm like, I've done everything. Of course, there'll always be something at work that it would be really important if I was there and I feel responsibility for, but no, it's, it's time for someone else to take on those responsibilities. I've done my share. Yeah. And it's funny. I've been talking with a lot of people about work and the idea of work and what work is, um, mainly because I find it interesting for my own self. Uh, it's very selfish, but it's interesting. I feel like there is, it's very much, I think, influenced by capitalism where there's this like sense that if you're not working, like that you're, if you're not working, then you better be do something even better. And it's like, well, what if I just don't want to work? Like, <laughs> you know, I was talking to my dad about it. He's nearly retired and he's like, you know, he's trying to convince me. Like, he's like, well, I looked at like part-time jobs. He was a l- lawyer before. And I like, you know, but you know, I don't, I don't really want to work. And I was like, dad, if you don't want to work, then you don't have to, like, why do you feel like you're worth something without working? You know, it's such an interesting um, habit we get into, you know, of, of just making our worth be about the thing we get paid for. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, I kind of had a trial run um, in contemplating um, not working and, um, and kind of, you know, maybe partitioning my ego a little bit from who I am as, you know, in work world when the um, great recession happened mm-hmm. since I was working for the state, uh, we got furloughed to three days a month where 
we weren't being paid and we didn't come into work. And, um, you know, before everything seemed so important and everything had to be done right then. And all of a sudden it was like, no, you don't need to work. <laughs> and so I got really engaged um, in the schools. Um, my kids attended Oakland Public Schools and my son was at a school where at the time about 90% of the kids qualify for free and reduced lunches. And, um, you know, almost it was in the heart of Rockridge and almost no one who lived in Rockridge was sending their kids there. Um, and I had, he had been at a school just up the block an elementary school that was very affluent, was mostly white. Um, it was mixed though. It was actually mixed because it's Oakland. It was fairly diverse, but that school had a lot of resources. There's a PTA that was, you know, a fundraising juggernaut and, you know, there was no need that wasn't met. Um, parents were tripping over each other to try to do things for the school or for the kids. And then at this other school, Claremont middle school at the time, you, you know, if you walked in and it's like, well, there were wonderful teachers there. You know, there were lots of kids coming from challenging things. And, you know, it's just like, how can I help? And, you know, people were just like, oh, thank you so much. And you just do the smallest thing. And it was something that, that was appreciated. And um, I just fell in love with the, the, the um, teachers and with the students. And there was, um, you know, there was a nice small parent group that was, you know, working and doing what they could. And um, everyone was just rolling up their sleeves and um, trying to connect, make things better. And I met so many wonderful people there, both the parents and the teachers and the kids. And I think my own, my son, I think got a chance to learn and grow from being around, you know, other, other kids, kids that didn't have the things that he had, but also who had some really interesting life experiences. And um you know, I just, I was like, I love this. And <laughs> I just became um, passionate about it. And um, I ended up starting with a couple other people, um, a bike ride that um, was to draw attention to um, inadequate, you know, funding for public schools. And at first it was kind of like a protest. We'd just ride our bikes to Sacramento <laughs> and try to draw attention to it. But it was it, you know, we actually got, we actually got some traction and some media attention. And um, I think it made the teachers feel better and the students got to participate. And, you know, that was amazing, the art and the writing that they produce. And, you know, the, the state legislators really responded to it. And, um, you know, then we started saying, well, we've got to do something on our end to try to raise some money if we can't to, to so that there can be some enrichment programs. I mean, a lot of these schools, it was like, um, well, we've, we only have enough money for either art or for music. And it was like, that. that's effed up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, little kids should be able to do art and music. And so um, we just started getting people together and pretty soon we had 200 or 300 bike riders, people were raising funds. And now we have 12 schools that we support and um, before the pandemic, we were um, raising like $150,000, $180,000 a year. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a, it was a small thing, but it's, it was a thing where, um, again, it was just like, you know, if, if a bunch of people get together, I think anything is possible, you know? Yeah. That, that's so courageous because I, I, I feel like, it feels so difficult to make a change in something like that. Like it feels so big. Um, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I had known you done that, but hearing it in your own words is, um, I don't know, just, that was really great to hear. <laughs> very inspiring. Um, I have a very self, another selfish question because I'm a new parent and you, you seem like a great parent. Uh, what was your thinking in sending your kids to school? Uh, like, how did you think about, like you said, where you were living, it, it, all the other parents, all the parents in similar positions to you in Rockridge were sending their kids to private school. So what was your thinking in sending your kids to public school? This is something me and my husband think about a lot. That's why I ask. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, that's a good, good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I and we ended up sending um, we sent both of our kids to public school throughout in Oakland throughout their education. But um, like we, I ended up sending my daughter to a different middle school than I did my son, and in part because I needed to look at I think who they were as individuals and you know their personalities and you know. How, how flexible, adaptable they were, how good they were at, at um, making friends, connecting with people. And, um, you know, I think, I think my son has, was just always um, someone who just seemed to be able to get along with anyone, make friends and, um, and was kind of happy go lucky. And um, his friends, I think from an early age, I mean, I was glad that elementary school he was at was very diverse um, racially and socioeconomically too although it did have a very large component of you know upper middle class white people it's like half the school um and all of his friends he just for whatever reason all of his friends were um kids of color essentially and that's what he was more comfortable being with and being in oakland and it, i think um you know, a couple, we were talking with other families and like, where are you going to send, you know, his friends, where are you going to send your kids? And we went back and forth and, you know, and of course, in the end, they end up going to different places. It was like, it's like, let's go to Claremont. <laughs> At the end, it, it changed. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it was, I just, I, I mean, I grew up, when I was small, I was in Berkeley public schools. And then uh, my mom had worked for the university and she worked in one of the last agricultural departments at Berkeley. And eventually they got moved to Davis. But when I was small, I was in Berkeley. And um, when I started kindergarten, I think it was the second year that they had integrated their schools. And um, so my kindergarten first grade class was like half African-American. And before that, a lot of my friends have been African-American because my mom worked full-time a single mom. And um, the woman who took care of us during the day was African-American and we play with her um, grandchildren and stuff. And I was just, um, I just kind of thought, Oh, you know, there's, there's a lot of African-American kids. They're just like me. I enjoy being with them. And then we moved to Davis and I remember the first day at school and I was like, where are the African-American kids? <laughs> I was just shocked that the school was like almost all white. And I immediately found the three other African-American kids and they became my first friends at the school. And then I started learning how to be at this white school. But um, I think, I think I always just felt like I wanted the kids to be able to navigate the world. And, um, you know, I think the world is becoming more and more diverse. I felt like no matter what, you know, I think you're the same. I mean, you're going to, you're going to do the things to support your, 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 your child or your children. And I think they'll get everything they need to succeed academically. Um, and they'll get, you know, they'll get the resources to, to have, you know, to, to be able to do that. But, you know, I think when they get into a setting where everyone is like them, you know, I, I don't know if it really benefits them for the world, you know, yeah, that's kind of my husband. I thought too. Like, how important is it that they get like I don't know, random classes? You know, like these like very intense extra math classes or whatever. Like, how important is that as opposed to like being a member of the world that's actually around them? You know, um, it's something we think about. He's only two and a half, so not this side yet. But <laughs> yeah, no, and it, it's hard because I I think every situation is really specific. I I um. You know, I don't think neither one of our kids, um, you know, had had special needs. Um, and I also feel like, um, you know, it it takes a lot of engagement. I mean, I think, um, you know, public schools are typically do have problems and they typically don't have the resources they should. And and I think people expect the schools to solve all of society's problems, you know, it's like, it's like, we've got it backwards. It's like, it's like, well, if, you know, if, if people, you know, had a good place to live, if, if, 
they were safe, if they were well fed. Um, you know, I think it's it's easy to learn, right? You know, they're not under, under stress. And um, but yeah, I think they just expect that the teachers will solve for all those other problems. And so it it's not always easy. I think both of my kids kind of feel like mutants. They're kind of like it's hard to find other people that, you know, are, you know, are just like me kind of like, kind of like, you know, it's like they're, you know, and my son was even talking about it. It was like this last weekend he was out and he was socializing and, you know, he, I think, I think he, um, he's just not as comfortable. And when he's around, just as a, a crowd that's in entirely white upper middle class. Um, and yeah, I think when he was at Berkeley, he really felt that he felt like um, there was just a lot of, um, I don't know, the just, just not a lot of awareness of how lucky and privileged, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and maybe just, a little bit more um affluenza you know neurosis kind of (laughs) yeah i guess it's harder to see what's important maybe when yeah yeah and to you know maybe just to just you know be yourself and have fun and and and, yeah and also and what's important and um yeah it's just um it's weird because i do i do feel like too that during the pandemic i I mean, I, I ha, you know, having having a lot of things and having a lot of security, um, you know, it, it, you know, everybody had different things that have been hard for them. But I think um, I think if your only experience is just, you know, being in a small bubble where it's safe, you have a lot of resources, um, it's tranquil, um, it's easy for people to forget that there are other people that fell off a cliff Mm -hmm. and um, you know, it's kind of like, God damn it. You know, don't complain about that loud car going down the street. You know, it's like, it's like, if that is your biggest worry today, you know, you need to go out and see some of the world. You need to do something so that you can appreciate what you have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, to bring it, yeah, I think that's something that the yoga practice definitely does is like, for me, I think the time on my mat puts things in perspective in a way that, I don't know, I feel like if I don't have time on my mat, then I can get, I don't know. I I feel like all yogis are sort of sensitive people. I think yoga is a way uh, many of like people who are affected by the world around them intensely, it's, I think are drawn to yoga because it's a way to process that to like, Absolutely. Yeah. And I like have that time. Um, but I, I also know there's like other ways of feeling be- better. So I'm curious, like, I know you're very into the outdoors and you're very into cycling and yoga. What, what does yoga do for you? Like, what's the difference between cycling and yoga for you? Like, how do they? Um, I think it's the magic of the breath, I would have to say. Mm. Well, and I knew nothing about, you know, breathing or, um, you know, and I, I think I'm like a, um, well, I'm, I'm a repentant mouth breather. <laughs> I'm just learning about all the, the problems of mouth breathing, but um, I think I didn't really, I, I mean, I think yoga was, there's something about synchronizing the breath and the movement and really focusing the breath that um, is magical. And uh, it, it was just so calming. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, when it really goes well, it's like almost like time could stand still. And I mean, occasionally on the bike, especially being out on like back roads, beautiful places, I can get into kind of a moving meditation. Um, but um, I didn't get interior like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I, that was something that was not in my life. I wasn't really doing something. I didn't have another practice that allowed me to really reflect and kind of meditate in that way. So. And 
So I know a lot of the times people do a teacher training because they want to build more of a home practice. Has that been yeah. successful for you? Have you been able to build a home practice? Um, well, now I have to, now that I'm trying to teach. <laughs> Perfect. It's great to force you. <laughs> That's yeah. me too. Um, that was really funny because um, when we were doing the teacher training, I didn't think about that as, as, as a reason for doing it. But, and I also didn't realize, you know, when we were getting prompted, you know, I think early in the teacher training and they're, they're like, well, you know, if, if you, you know, if, if you're going to teach or if you're going to do this, you really have to have your own home practice. You have to start to do these things, you know, by yourself and find what you, you do. And, I would try it, but I was so busy and I was, I wanted to do my yoga classes outside. And that was just so much easier in a way. It was like, oh, this is just given to you. Just drop into it. You don't have to think about it. So um, I don't know. It took, I went through the whole thing and then I was like, oh, wow, this is why they were talking about this. <laughs> this is really important. <laughs> <laughs> I think there were just a lot of things like that where I was kind of like, God, I wish I had really understood that. And I starting to understand it now. And um, yeah, I, I, I think I will develop a home practice. I think I'm, I'm just starting to. And um, it, it, it does, it does feel like if, if um, especially in the morning, you know, and, the days that it's possible to do it. It's just a nice way again to, to start the day the right way. So, I mean, that's what I think I'm looking forward to is if it can be something that gives me ideas about teaching and it's something I can do um, to start the day, that would be wonderful. Yeah. I also think there is a level of, I don't know, I, I guess the word is like self-reliance. Like I felt so, much more confident teaching when I, when I have a very steady home practice, because I don't know, I feel so self-reliant, like, Oh, like the first time I taught myself, like I did a whole class, like an hour just by myself. It was the best feeling in the world. Like I can do that. You know? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I feel like now that I'm not teaching anymore, I see my home practice as like the greatest gift I could ever, I've ever given myself is to figure that out. Um, so I recommend it, I guess. (laughs) No, I, I, I think it's a good recommendation. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a journey. I'm, I'm still trying to, um, trying to really take in what I've learned. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I think I'm still surprised by um, kind of what we got a little taste of. And, um, and I think, I hope that I can dive in more. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take any of your more of your time because I know you're getting ready to teach. Um, but where can people hear about your yoga classes coming up if they're in the Bay Area? Um, go on to the website for Left Coast Power Yoga. And um, I mean, that's that's probably one place. The other place is you could try to find me on Instagram. Just cool. to, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I um I, I hope it's something that um, that it continues to evolve, and um, I just yeah, I feel lucky that I'm at a place where I can I can do this. I I love to keep doing it if I can. <laughs> Great. Um, and then I also want to ask: Are is there still a way to donate to Oakland Public Schools? Um, just I want to put it in the show notes. Is there like a website or people um, can go to? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, there's the Oakland Educational Fund that does a lot of work with the schools. There's a group called Equity Allies um, for Oakland Public Schools that does great work. Um, and then there's the um, there's the work that we do through our bike ride. Um, it's called Ride for a Reason. And um, our website will be up and running in a few weeks. And we're going to you know, fingers crossed, pandemic, be nice. We will be riding bikes to Sacramento on April 23rd. Oh, amazing. So, um, yeah, so that it's, it's a nice community effort and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be wonderful to be riding with other people. Great. All right. Well, I will put all of that in the show notes. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much, Mike. 
Thanks, Rebecca. It's great to see you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> I really feel like I'm going to go back to that interview and listen to it when I need more advice about parenting and just life in general. Um, yeah, Mike had such good, um, interesting thoughts about so many different things. So I hope that you enjoyed it. Um, I will post all of those um, different nonprofits, uh, the website for Left Coast Power Yoga and Mike's Instagram all on the show notes. So please check it out. Um, Really recommend following Mike on Instagram. He goes some beautiful places hiking and biking. So, you know, worth checking out. And then you can check out his yoga schedule. Um, Yeah. There really is something really powerful about going to a new student's yoga class and new teacher's yoga class. And I don't really know how to say it, except that uh, they still have like a lot more, sometimes more innocence. Like, listen, yoga as a as your main job is really difficult. It's like really hard to make ends meet. And sometimes you work a little, you overwork to pay rent, uh, which is just how the world is. And I think that in that you kind of lose a bit of innocence but Mike's pure joy and love and newness uh, I think is infectious so I really recommend checking out his classes and that is all for this week um stay tuned for next week I have a really exciting interview with someone I'm pretty sure you know okay well happy practicing bye